you to stand to your feet, and I want you to give the massivest welcome to David Graciano as he comes to preach tonight. Come on, give it up for D. Graci, the one and only. Look at that, look at that. Now why do you take this to the left? Call me OG with the young flow. Alan this is, okay, I just got to get this cliche stuff out of the way because if you're in church circles, you know that this happens, um, but it's, it's good and I'm not, um, I'm not blowing smoke. I think it's important that we know the gift that we have in our leadership, and I come from a house, Faith Community Church, where my pastors have been there for 20 years, which is really cool, really cool, faithfulness is really cool, um, and Taylor and Noel and Michaela, um, I just wanted to say, and, and like your team, I know it's like your team, but what you guys are doing is truly incredible. And I talk with John Asher and a lot. And, you know, when we think about youth ministries in our area, it's just like you'll be hard-pressed to find people doing it better. And I know you've heard us say that before, but it's not just – the size, right? It's not just kids in seats. It's the culture. It's the spirit. It's the, the love for one another and the family. Um, and it's just authentic, which I think is really, really beautiful. And so thank you for persevering. Thank you for fighting um, for all of us. Um, I think all of us in this room are very grateful for your threes. I don't know where Michaela's at, but your, your guys' leadership is incredible. And I know what it's like to have a youth ministry of my own and to really care for young people. And I don't take it lightly putting someone on a platform and having them speak to them. And so I get that. And so it's super an honor that you would let me, you know, like camp is a big deal. And this is, this is important. And so thanks for letting me be here and trusting me to share. And if it sucks, just tell me later, like later, but not right now. Um, but thank you. Love you guys. And Hayden, Jude, wherever you are, um, God bless. I don't know. Are they sleeping or something? Yeah. I was hoping Hayden would be here, but it's okay. So um, just wanted to get that out of the way. And who, got, who has your Bible? You got your Bible tonight? We're going to go to a verse, and then uh, we're, we're going to talk about this thing. Genesis 32. Genesis chapter 32 Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, is where we're going to be tonight. This, this is just one story. Um, if you don't know me, like Taylor said, my name's David, and I'm a youth pastor. Been a youth pastor for the last six years, been in youth ministry for the last 16, and um, I grew up in church. I have been in more church services than you have been alive years you've been alive not years like I just I just grew up in church right eat sleep breathe church um and I gave my life to Jesus when I was in second grade I made a decision in a classroom I remember uh and from that moment on I've been doing life with Jesus and then when I got to middle school and high school it got a little more real for me because I started flunking all my classes and so then life started to hit and I was like, oh, I actually need God in my life. I can't just go to church. 
Um, and so then uh, I've grown in my relationship with God, didn't know what I want to do with my life, and I just realized I love church, I love Jesus, I want to help do church better. And the people who are doing church the best at the time is this place called Hillsong, the church called Hillsong. So I went to college at Hillsong, and I was like, I just want to learn how to do church better. No plans of being a youth pastor. Three years later, I have my degree, and I'm like, okay, I want to work in a church, use everything that I've learned, and funny how God works, I ended up right back in my same hometown as a youth pastor, and I've been there ever since. And I'm loving it. It's great. Um, and so that's, that's a little bit of my story. And so where I'm coming from is, let's see, second grade. Where I'm coming from is about 20 years of doing life with Jesus. So that's my context. So you know, some, we're all in different places. And what's awesome about Jesus is it's a level playing field at the cross. 20 days or 20 years, God's looking at us all the same. All the same. And so uh, I hope you found Genesis 32. We're going to be in verse 22, and I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray. This is about a guy named Jacob. Look at that. How sick are, like, your guys' graphics and your, like, team who does all these visuals? That's cool, right? It's the, it's the little things. It's the little things. This is um, a story about Jacob. And uh, to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here, um, Jacob has been wandering around with his family, uh, and he parted ways with his brother Esau, and they left on bad terms because Jacob stole his brother's birthright, okay? So just think of it like, you know, you have a sibling, right? And your parents say, hey, when I die, you're the oldest sibling, so you get $1.2 million that I have saved away for you. But then your sibling deceives the, your parents and actually takes it for themselves, and you don't get any of it. You'd be pretty kind of upset, right? And so Jacob was the deceiver. Jacob was the one who stole his brother's birthright, and then they went their separate ways. Talk about serious beef, right? Like, how mad would you be? Because that's a game changer. That's a huge game changer for your life. And so they've been uh, going their separate ways, and then finally, they're about to meet up. After ages, they're about to meet up, and Jacob is stressed, naturally, right? He's stressed because he's like, uh-oh, I'm about to see my brother face-to-face, and we're about to have an encounter. And I don't know what that's going to be like, but I feel like it's going to be bad because I stole the birthright. Okay, does that make sense? So here we go. It's the night before he's supposed to go out and meet his brother. And this is what it says, 22. But during the night, Jacob got up and sent his two wives, sketchy, two concubines, even sketchier, and 11 sons across, no wonder he had a lot of sons, 11 sons across the Jabbok River. After they were on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob, Jacob alone in the camp. Everyone say, alone in the camp. Okay, you're with me. Now check this out. Something crazy happens right here. 
And a man came and wrestled him, wrestled with him until dawn. So check this out. It's the night before. He sends all his family. He sends all his belongings across the river. And he's the last one at the camp. And before he goes back across the river, he's all alone. Before he goes back across, this man literally just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, approaches him. And they begin to wrestle. Weird, right? It says he wrestled with him till dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. Ouch. Then the man said, let me go, for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. It is now Israel, because you have struggled with both God and men and have won. What is your name, Jacob asked him. Why do you ask, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place, how do you say that, Peniel, Peniel? which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun rose as he left Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Tonight, I want to talk about the wrestle. And if you're looking for a title for a message, that's the best I could come up with, the wrestle. (laughs) That's all I got. It's not creative, but it's to the point. The wrestle. I think this is something I'm really passionate about because for the 20 or so years I've been walking with Jesus, I feel like wrestling with God is something that we don't always talk about in church circles. But I've found that a lot of my life is not God taking away my problems, but me wrestling with God. And so I want to come around this idea of the wrestle and see what God wants to do. I I really believe, like as I was preparing for this, and I I don't say this kind of stuff because I hear it all the time. I hear a lot of messages, but I really feel like God wants to do something special tonight in you guys specifically. I was just, as I was preparing, I was just like, whoa, God, this is crazy. And he really started to break some things in me as I was preparing this message. And I was like, whoa, all right, God, like, I don't know, I don't know what you're trying to do, but you're trying to do something. Um, so we're going to talk about the wrestle. Is that cool? How much time do I have? Okay, we're going we're gonna to shoot for 30 minutes. Can you lock in for 30 minutes? Middle schoolers in the back, can you lock in for 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Old Town Road, I see you. Let's pray. Father, man, thank you for camp. Thank you so much um, that we get to be here together as a family. God, I pray that you would really, really speak to us, that you would break us tonight. Just break us. No pretense. No, no, no playing church. No caring about our image or what other people think, God. We, we just want real authentic relationship with you tonight. I ask that you would speak through your word 
In Jesus' name, everybody said. I want to share a story with you about the first time that I cussed ever. Now, some of you are like, what's the big deal? I cuss all the time. I cuss in church. I cuss at this camp. I cuss. I heard some of you guys cussing today at the game. I mean, some of you don't even care about cussing. But for me, as a church kid, man, when you said a swear word or something, that was a big deal. And I'll never forget the first time I said a swear word, it was at my brother. Yeah, big deal. And we were like hanging out. We were playing in the yard. And, you know, if you have siblings, you know that there's just something about them that irritates you. They don't even have to do anything. Like, they literally don't have to do anything. But you just like, you wake up in the morning, and then you're just like, oh, man, they just irritate me. Right? You, like, there's nothing that you just can't explain it. There's something about uh, sibling relationships where, especially when you're younger, you're just like, oh, man, they just irritate me. And, you know, me and my brother, we're hanging out. We're playing outside. All the neighbor kids aren't able to play or they're not home or whatever, so it's just us. And, um, you know, he, like, threw a rock at me or something. Right? Like, how messed up is that? And he throws this rock at me, and I'm pretty sure I dodge it because I'm super fast and agile and it's whatever. It's not a big deal. But I dodge it, and, like, he was, like, making fun of me. And my brother's, if you know my brother, he's really quick. He's really witty. He's really smart. And so he always has snappy responses. And he was really just making me feel bad. And so finally I snapped, and I just said, F you, just super loud. It was like a little third grade voice, right? I was like in third grade, like, F you. I don't know where I heard that word, probably school or something. I don't know how I got to that point, but I was so angry. And he just stopped. He just stopped. He's like, oh. And you know that look of joy in, in your siblings' eyes when they, when they know that you're you're done. They know that you're in trouble. And so they're, they're sick and twisted and they're happy that you're about to get in trouble and your life's about to end. And so he just immediately, he just cruises over to my mom who's in the house. He tells on me and I'm just like, oh man, she calls me in. She's like, what did you say to your brother? And I'm like, oh, I mean, did you really say that? I'm like, Ugh. she's like, all right. Go in your room, wait for your dad. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bro, that is the worst. I'm telling you, that's the worst. I would have much rather have my mom be like, okay, you're going to get a spanking. But no, she was like, go to your room, wait for your dad. It was probably only like 30 minutes, but it felt like six hours, okay? Have you ever been in that place? where there's an encounter, an impending encounter, and you are just dreading every second of it. You're just like, oh, no. Like, I know I'm wrong. I know I have no excuses. I know that I am sunk. This is over. This is bad. That's where I found myself, and I waited for my dad to get home. And uh, it was a different time, okay? It wasn't 2019. It was 1998. 
And in 1998, what we did is our parents would say, okay, pull down your pants. And my dad would take off his belt. And we, they had a bed that was about this high. And, you know, as a kid, you're about this tall. He's like, okay, bend over. And you just bend over. And then he just goes, he probably didn't even do it like super, you know, he wasn't going like, boom. You know, he's just, he's just going, boom, like that. But that joint hurts, okay? And I would get spanked with a leather belt on my booty. And, bro, can I tell you, I never said that word to my brother again. Game changer. But I had this dread, this impending encounter, and this is where Jacob is at. He has this impending encounter incoming with his brother that he is dreading. He can't sleep at night. He can't think at night. He's like, I, 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 I did him so dirty. I did him so wrong. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I think for other people and I just think, you know, this is how they feel about this situation. This is what they think about this situation. They haven't said it themselves, but I put words in their mouth. I, I think that it's way worse than it actually is. And so he's in this place where he's like, Esau is going to want to kill me. I stole the birthright right out of his hands. I deceived him. I deceived our father. And now I have the blessing and he doesn't. And in and, and, He's going to hate me. He's going to want to kill me. There's something interesting about encounters. I recently had an encounter. Oh, when was it? September of last year, where I was going to a friend's uh, birthday party, Mackenzie. Um, and there was this girl there. And, uh, and, and me and Mackenzie, we run in the same circles. We have a lot of the same friends. And so I knew everyone at this party except for this one girl. And uh, we had an encounter because I went to go grab my, um, I went to go grab my cranberry juice with nothing else in it. And I turn around and... She's looking at me, don't, don't hate me, <laughs> she's, I grab it, and I turn around, and I'm face to face with these beautiful eyes. <laughs> I'm just doing it for the oohs and the ahs. I'm face to face with this girl that I've never met before, but is beautiful, and I'm like, it immediately kind of gets awkward. Because she's looking at, have, have you ever had someone look at you like they want to tell you something, but they're not saying anything? So she's like looking at me, and I just kind of like read the signals because I'm super emotionally aware. And I'm like, is this your drink? And she's like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, sorry. Put it down, walk away, really awkward. Didn't talk to her the whole rest of the night. I don't know why we're applauding. But you can applaud for this. Because about a month later, we started dating, and now it's been nine months, and she's here tonight to party with all of us. So, it's a happy story. Uh, 
A lot can happen in an encounter. I recently went to my 10-year reunion, and it wasn't as good of an encounter. This encounter was amazing and life-changing. But I went to my 10-year reunion, and it was awkward. It was weird. Um, but one thing really stood out to me, actually. I was meeting with all these different people from high school that I knew, and some of them I had invited to church, and they had actually been a part of, uh, like, our youth group growing up. And what I found was so many of them, you know, 10 years later, they're floundering and grasping, and they're trying to find hope. They're desperately still searching for their identity. They're desperately looking for something to cling on to. They're still so broken, and they're hurting so much, and they carry so much pain. And I remember this one guy in particular. I helped him move out of his house because it was an abusive situation. And I remember right before youth group, I was on worship team, and I texted our worship leader, and I said, hey, I'm not going to, I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm helping a friend, like, make an emergency move out of their house. And, and it was just a really tough situation. And, you know, through that friendship, he came to church. But the reality is, is he never really had a strong connection to Jesus for himself. And so all these years later, I, I, I meet up with him, and I'm, we're talking, and he just carries so much pain. You can, I can just see it in his eyes. I can hear it in his voice. I can, I can hear it in, in what he talks about. And he's, he's hurting and he's struggling and he just doesn't have hope. He's looking for anything and everything to cling to. And I started to think, wow, he was involved in our youth ministry. He was such a strong part of what we did. He, he was like many of you, attending camp, being a part, serving, doing what Christians do. And then 10 years later, he's just as lost, if not more lost. And I started to get stirred up because I was like, God, I do not want that for any of my students. I do not want any of my students to just show up to church, show up to Undivided, serve, do the thing, jump around, have fun in the confetti, play the games, and then 10 years later, still be lost, still be broken, still be hurting, and still be trying to grasp at something that's real. And so I've just been thinking, this has just been so heavy on my heart, and if I can speak just from a pastoral perspective, like myself, Michaela, Taylor, Noel, like, the leaders here, the very last thing we want is for you to have a church experience. We are desperate for you to have a God encounter. And the true mark of a real youth pastor is not how well you all follow Jesus right now. It's how well you follow Jesus 10 years from now and how well you lead your families. And so I'm so passionate right now. I want us tonight to get to understand how do we get from that place where we're not just in love with church, we're not just in love with serving, we're not just in love with a community because my friend, he, he was in love with the community. He was a part of the community. And he was in love with serving, and he's in love with singing and doing worship and all that stuff. But when push come, comes to shove and life hits you at 100 miles an hour, 
Sometimes the only thing that you can lean on is an authentic, real, genuine God encounter that nobody, like nobody can take it away. Nobody can deny that you had it. So the goal is for you to fall in love with Jesus for yourself, not for you to fall in love with UD, although that's good and you should love your youth ministry, not for you to just fall in love with singing worship songs, playing fun games, or in love with just being a part of the community and having good chats, but we have to get to a place where we know Jesus for ourselves, where we've had God encounters for ourselves. So I wonder tonight, and I'm speaking to the people into the, the, the back here, the people in the front. I wonder if tonight, if we could just get real for a moment, because I, I hate pretense, I don't want to do church, I've been playing church a long time, but just take an honest inventory, if you, if you thought about it right now. Like all this. Let's look at it from a thousand feet in the air. All this that we're doing. Is this a phase for you? Do you feel like once you graduate, maybe you're not going to be so bought in? Maybe you're just kind of going along for the ride and just riding the wave of what everyone else is doing? And I'm not here to cast shame or judgment, but I think the starting point for having an authentic, real relationship with Jesus and a God encounter, it starts with taking honest inventory with where you're at. Because Jesus can see straight through you anyways. He can, say, he can see straight through to where your heart is at. So this is actually what I want to do, because I actually really want to see who I'm talking to. So I want us to all close our eyes. I've never done this before. I want to try this. Everyone close your eyes. Because I'm going to ask a, a, a personal question and I'm going to ask for hands to be raised. But I don't want anyone looking around. Private moment. Boys up the back. If you could just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Please just honor the moment. I want to take an honest inventory. I'm going to ask three questions, okay? Three different levels of where you're at. So if you're here tonight with nobody looking around, if you're here tonight and you take honest inventory and you say, you know what, David, I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. Camp is fun. This is all good. This is cool. And like I get the preaching and all that. But if I'm like super honest tonight and no one looking around and not getting judged, I don't really believe it. I'm kind of not bought in. I just got too many questions. I just got too much stuff going on. I'm not really about it. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. No one's looking around. Just raise your hand. Just be real. Just be real. It's where you're at. You're just not into it. You're like, camp is cool. UD is cool, but I'm just not into it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Put your hands down. Number two, you're here tonight and you say, I believe in Jesus or I, I really want to believe but I do have a lot of questions, and I do have a lot of pain or, or unanswered problems that I'm struggling through. Go ahead, raise your hand. Come on, 
Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you for your honesty. Group number three, you say, I know Jesus is real. I've had a personal encounter that has changed me. I'm not perfect, but I know God is working in me. Just raise your hand if that's where you're at. Awesome, awesome. That's super encouraging. Okay, put your hands down. You can open your eyes now. You can open your eyes. You know what's interesting is there were people who raised their hand in here who said, I'm not really buying it. I'm not really into it. There are also people in here who said, I want to be into it. I want to believe. And there's a lot of these, but I have a lot of questions. And I don't really... No, I got some hurt. I got some pain. And this is where the wrestle is so important. See, how do you have a God encounter? You wrestle. You wrestle. You wrestle with God. reason I believe so many people will fall away over time is because we live our lives going to church, serving and watching everyone else wrestle with God, but we never get alone ourselves to wrestle with him. See right here it said he was alone in the camp. He was alone in the camp. And I love what you're doing this week, because if you are here tonight, you have positioned yourself alone in the camp. You've set time aside. You said, God, okay, I'm, I'm just going to leave things behind for a moment, and I'm going to get alone in the camp. But so often, we just get wrapped up in this vicious cycle of church and ministry and doing all this stuff that we actually don't wrestle with God and wrestle with the issues that we do have, wrestle with the pain that we do carry. Wrestle with the questions about the Bible that we do have. And so we don't wrestle with God because we think it's not okay to ask questions. We think it's not okay to, to bring what we have to the table. And then 10 years later, we're like, God, oh, it's, it's not a thing. But we never even fought for it. See, Jacob, he, he wanted to resolve this problem with his brother. And so when he found out his brother was coming to meet him, what he did was he sent a ton of, he, he sent a, a bunch of like peace offerings, right? So he sent a bunch of goats and he sent a bunch of cows and he sent a bunch of oxen and all this stuff. And he told his servants, hey, when you see my brother, tell him that this is for you. This is a gift and hopefully that will kind of ease him in and he'll like me a little bit better when we see each other, because I'm giving him all these gifts. And Jacob thought that the answer to his problem would be seeing his brother face to face. But if you look um, through this text, it, it, it says right there in, uh, in verse 20, Jacob's plan was to appease Esau with the presence before meeting him face to face. 
But then in verse 30, after he has wrestled with God, he says that he named the place Peniel face of God for he had seen God face to face. See, the answer that you are looking for will not be found in meeting your problems face to face. What you need to do is meet God face to face. That's the key. You see, so many, so many of us, when we have issues and problems, we, we don't go to God face to face. We don't go to the wrestle and the tussle and say, God, what's going on here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrestle with you about this. We start to throw our calves and we start to throw our goats and we try and figure out what's wrong and we, we try and pull ourselves up by our, our boots and we say, I'm, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna figure out what's wrong and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this problem head on, face to face, when God's saying, the problem's already been taken care of. You just need to meet with me. You need to meet with me face to face. You see, it's all in the wrestle. It's all in the wrestle. God invites us into the wrestle. What I find interesting about this passage, too, is the man pursued Jacob. Jacob did not initiate the wrestle. Jacob did not initiate the tussle. God just appeared out of nowhere in the form of a man, which I think was Jesus. God appeared and just started to throw down. Isn't that crazy? See, God, young person, he is inviting you into a wrestling match. You see, some of us, when we think of Jesus and we think of God, we're just like, you know, he's, he's all loving, he's caring, and it's all good, and his grace is so amazing, and he's my refuge, and my whole life has been leading to this moment. Amazing song. But we don't, we don't really think about what it means to wrestle with God, to have it out with God. See, God said, come, let us reason together. He's a God of relationship. He wants to talk. He wants to know what's really going on inside of you. You see, what you're looking for will be found in the wrestle. When you wrestle with God, you're blessed and your faith is strengthened. See, when we don't wrestle, we don't get our faith strengthened, and then we wonder why we fall out, because our faith hasn't ever been strengthened because we've never wrestled. We've never had it out with God. We've never challenged. We've never figured out what we believe, why we believe it. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to spend less time wrestling with our problems and more time wrestling with God. I wonder where in your life you're just wrestling with your issues. You're just wrestling with your problems. You're just fighting everything that's going on when really what you need to do is wrestle with God. See, your greatest blessing may come in the form of an adversary. Your greatest blessing may come in, in the wrestling match that you don't want to have, that's uncomfortable. So tonight, I want to get us to a place where we're willing to wrestle with things. We're willing to wrestle with hard stuff. Because if young person, like you're at this age right now, or if you can do this, if you can just say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to meet God for myself. 
I'm going to wrestle with him. I'm going to have it out. I believe 10 years from now, you will still be loving Jesus. You will still be involved in church. You will still be chasing the call of God in your life. And you will still be passionate, passionate, passionate believers in God. But if you go the next 10 years without addressing what's really going on in here, the real questions that you have, the real pain that you carry, the real problems you struggle with, what's really going on behind the curtain, backstage, when nobody's looking, the real issues, if you do not wrestle with those now, eventually it it, it just fades. But we need to wrestle. Why? Because God wants to meet you in the wrestle. He wants to bless you in the wrestle. And he wants to give you, he wants to mark you. And that's what we're really getting down to here is Jacob was marked. What happened after he wrestled? It says his hip, his hip got knocked out of its socket. He was marked. He walked with a limp after that. What's interesting is Esau was coming out to meet him and his brother. He was bringing 400 soldiers with him. So Jacob's like, my brother's going to kill me. He's literally bringing an army. And so what Jacob did, he said, half of, all right, family, half of you go this way. I'm going to go this way. And uh, if I die, keep the family going. And after he had a God encounter, he had a limp. So he was even more susceptible to his brother. But you see, Jacob had had a God encounter. And although his body was weaker, his faith was strengthened. And so maybe God isn't going to take away the problem, but he wants to encounter you so that he can strengthen your faith and make it authentic and make it real. It's not Taylor's faith anymore. It's not Jake's faith anymore. It's my faith. I know what God has done in my life. I have wrestled with God. I have strived with God, and I have come out victorious, and he has marked me. He has made me different. I know what I know, and nobody can take that away from me. And so I want to share a story. We're going to close, and I want to do some worship. I want to pray for some group of people. Um, Do we have another worship song? Is it okay if we get the band back up? Is that okay? I want to tell you a story. I want to get vulnerable. I've actually never told this entire story to anyone. Not even my own youth kids. I've told parts of it. But I want to get vulnerable with you. Because I'm going to ask you to get vulnerable with me and us tonight. Because that's where it starts. So, my whole life, I did music. I played a lot of sports, but as I got into high school, middle school, I started really focused on music, creativity, and I was really involved in worship team at church, really involved in music and school, and by my senior year, I was doing both band and choir just full-time, just charging, jazz band before school started, choir after school, just 
all, all in for music, and, um, you know, I just loved it. Had a natural talent for it. Um, I get it from my dad. My mom's a good musician. She's learned. My dad is a natural musician. Um, and so I just have this gift where if I just hear a song, I can just play it. I don't know what it is. I just play it on the piano. Just let me hear it a couple times, and I'll just dink it out and figure it out. And so music has always been a part of my life. And growing up in a Christian home, my parents super supportive just of whatever I did and anywhere I went. And my senior year, they started to have problems. Now, they had had problems in the past, uh, but they were able to work through them, go to counseling. And my senior year of high school, they started to have problems again. And the summer of my senior year was a rough one, just rough. How many of you know when your parents are having problems, it's not just their problems, it's your problems too. It affects you. Like you just can't escape that. And so I'm going through my senior year and my parents are just struggling. They just got their own issues. And, um, you know, you can't do anything. As a high school kid, you can't do anything. Like you're not their counselor. You're not their adult supervisor. You're just kind of a bystander. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, you can talk to them and stuff, but it's, a lot of it's just out of your control. And towards the end of my senior year, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. It was like, they're not going to stay together. And my whole kind of music career had led up to this moment where I went to a final We had our final concert at the end of the year, finale concert um, for band. It was just awesome. We had awesome music sorted out, and our band was really good. And my whole life revolved around music. I mean, I was just everything, and my parents being musicians, as a kid, you want to make your parents proud, right? You want to do a good job. You want them to be happy with you. And that night at my concert, my final senior year concert, they go to do the awards. And I'm like totally unassuming, totally unexpecting of anything. And get to the final award and the band director is like talking about the director's award which is this prestigious you know for high school it's an important award and it's for someone who exemplifies the spirit of the program and da 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 and on and on and he calls my name and I was like what this is crazy I just won this award cool but what's crazy about that night is although my parents my whole life had been so supportive being at all my games all my concerts all my everything that night the most important concert 
of my life. They weren't there. And I remember getting the award and being excited, but could not help the overwhelming feeling of disappointment because mom and dad weren't there to see it. And maybe that resonates with some of you. And I grabbed the award, and it's, it's all good, and they weren't at my concert, which is really rare. You know, they were usually at my stuff. And a little bit disappointed, some of my friends were like, hey, let's go to Let's go to Dairy Queen again. I didn't tell anybody this. I didn't, you know, this is just all going on inside of me, you know, and let's just go get some ice cream. I'm like, cool, I'll go. So we go to get some ice cream. See, this is why you need to wrestle with God because this stuff is real, and I know you all have things. And this is the part I haven't told anybody went to go get ice cream with the friends and I pull in and I see my parents' car parked. I'm like, that's weird. Like, are they here? What's going on? And I go and I look in the restaurant where it's parked and I'm like, I look, you know, I kind of just, like, I don't want to run in the restaurant, but I kind of look and I don't see him. And I kind of cross over to this other area to kind of look down at the booths. And I look down and I just remember seeing both my parents at the table, a few booths down. They didn't see me. And I remember the look on my mom's face. And it was just bad. I just knew they were having a conversation that was painful and bad, and it wasn't good, and they were nearing the end. And I didn't go say hi, I didn't approach them. looked at him and what do you do as a high school kid I just walked away I walked out drove home never said a word to anybody and I carried that with me for so long the disappointment the the anger. He should have been there. There's things in your life, young person, that you need to bring to God. You have to wrestle with it. Don't let another year go by 
holding on to the same stuff. You see, that, that for me happened in 2009, and look at how it's affecting me. I'm, I'm 28 years old. And it's literally like hitting my heart. The thing is, we, we all got stuff. We've all been through things. We all have painful memories. We all have hurts. And what I so desperately want for you is to be following Jesus, not just right now, but 10 years from now. And what that's going to take is you tonight in a moment deciding, saying, you know what, whatever this is, whatever's going on, whatever I'm keeping in my heart, whatever's behind the curtain, whatever I refuse to bring to the table tonight, I'm saying no more will the enemy have a hold on me. But tonight I'm going to bring it and I'm going to wrestle with God about this thing. So this is what I want us to do, and this is going to be tough for some of us, because it's tough for me. I know this will be tough for some of us, but God wants to set you free tonight. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. what I want you to do. And if you're talking to your neighbor or whatever, please do not distract or take away from this moment because so many of you are going to get set free and you're going to do business and you're going to wrestle with God. This is what I want you to do. Think of the most painful thing you're holding on to. The memory that hurts the most. think about it. The place in your heart that you know, but maybe nobody else does. It's painful. It hurts. It makes you angry. It's unfair. It's wrong. It gives you anxiety. It makes you sad. It breaks you. Feel the emotions. Feel the emotions of what that memory means to you. And now what I want you to do is while you're feeling all of it, feel all the pain, all the hurt, all the rejection, While you're feeling it right now, I want you to let God in. Let God in. And begin to wrestle with him. Tell him how you really feel. Tell him what you really think because the truth is that that day when I had to stand there and watch both of my parents I hated that and I wish I could tell you that it was a happy ending but no guess what my parents got divorced and my family has never been the same but guess what I've been wrestling 
with God through it. Tell him why you're angry. Tell him why you're upset. Tell him why it hurts so bad. Tell him what that moment really meant to you. Some of you tonight, you need to wrestle with the fact that your parents are divorced and your family may never be the same. Wrestle with the fact that your dad has never loved you the way you deserve. Wrestle with the fact that you never feel like you're good enough for your mom. Wrestle with the fact that you are so insecure that you have to put on a front and act like you have it all together, but deep down inside, you don't even know who you are. Wrestle with the fact that you were violated. Wrestle with the fact that they caused you deep pain. Wrestle with the fact that you continue to struggle with anxiety. Because deep down, if you got honest with God, you really don't trust Him. Some of you need to wrestle with your fear. Wrestle with Him. Wrestle with God. Tell Him what's going on. Tell Him how you feel. And do not let him go until he blesses you. amazing about this story to me the most amazing part is Jacob wrestles with God Jacob, the name Jacob it means deceiver Jacob was a deceiver he deceived his father his brother, he deceived them out of his birthright his mistakes defined him. His past defined him. But when he wrestles with God, what God does is he doesn't take away his problem. He doesn't say, Esau, it's, I'm going to take care of Esau. He doesn't say, I'm going to handle this whole issue you got going on, what he does is he speaks to the heart of Jacob and he says, what's your name? And Jacob says, my name is Jacob. My name is deceiver. I am my past. I am a deceiver. I am broken. 
That is who I am. And God says, from now on, you will be named Israel because you have wrestled with God and man and come out victorious. Young person, God wants to change your name tonight. For the longest time, you have been saying, I am Jacob, I am Jacob, I am Jacob, I am a deceiver, I am my past, I am my brokenness, I am my hurt, I am my pain, I am these things, I am this memory, this will always plague me, this will always haunt me, this will always be what I come back to no matter what. But God says, tonight, young person, no more I am changing your name. You will no longer be defined by your past. You will no longer be defined by your mistakes. Now you are defined by me, and you are defined as someone who wrestles with God. Notice how he doesn't say, you're, you're perfect. You got it all together. No, he says, you're someone who wrestles. You're a fighter. but no longer are you defined by your past. You have a new name. I love this. Some of you are wrestling with God for the first time. God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your hurt. He's not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of what you're going to bring to the table. He's ready and he invites you in to wrestle and to have it out with him. Why did you let this happen, God? How could you let this happen? Where were you? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. In the last couple minutes, as a family, I want to I speak some truth into some of your lives. So if you're here tonight, you're really wrestling with something. I want to give you an opportunity to respond, to really have it out. We're here. We're in this moment. Let's take advantage of it. So if you want to be bold tonight, I want to hear from a couple of you. Just here while the band's playing. I want to hear what you're wrestling with. And I'll, I'll walk to you and I'll bring the mic because I think this is what unites us. No, no more do we come to UD and we play church and we say it's all, all good and then 10 years later none of us are following Jesus because we didn't really have an authentic moment where we really wrestled it out with what's really going on on the inside. No more. So if you're here tonight and you're wrestling with something, 
want to bring the mic over to you and just say briefly what it is. A couple words. What are you wrestling with? There's been a lot of death in my life recently. I just want to know why. You guys hear that? A lot of death. Wants to know why. That's real. Thank you for sharing. What are you wrestling with? Like I've been dealing with a lot of family issues where they know about Jesus. They believe in Jesus and it's hard to see him argue and not be and not able to speak up for 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 what they're doing and show them and feeling not good enough for my parents because I do try to find Jesus and it's never good enough for them and I don't feel like I'm worth being here and it's hard it's hard knowing that you are worth it but you don't feel thank you that's real You need to know that God is so proud of you. He loves you. He sees you. of her brother that's real that's a real place just do a few more and then we're going to have it out with some worship what are you wrestling with the pain of the past that defines you and what the, what your father left you when no one the anger that someone has when your father leaves you at a very young age it's just burning you and it always comes back to haunt you but never let the past define you because the scars are open but you have to learn and go and grow and let them heal that is the one thing I'm trying to not to struggle with and I struggle with it yeah See that? The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. Last one right here. What are you wrestling? Anxiety rules my life, and I just, I need to be free. Yeah. That's super real. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you don't be anxious about anything but in everything in prayer make your words known to him this is what I want you to hear tonight young person 
that in a church like yours that's healthy and good, you're going to hear this, but a lot of times in, in the world we live in, you won't hear this. The wrestle that you're going through right now, it may get easier, but it will not go away. You might have to wrestle with this your whole life. You might have to have it out with God with this a number of rounds. Sometimes we get told that you give it to God, you come to the altar, you have your moment, and everything's going to be better for you. And then we get back in it and we realize that it still hurts. And this is what you need to know. You keep wrestling with God. And every time those thoughts come up, every time that pain comes up, what you do is you don't throw all your stuff at the problem. You don't get face-to-face -face with the problem. Your one and only job is to get face-to-face -face with God. Your one and only job is to wrestle with God. You say, God, I'm feeling this way again. God, I'm having this problem again. God, I'm here again. I thought I would never be here again. Why am I here again? God, I'm going to wrestle with you again. And after you wrestle with God, you don't let him go. You hold on. You keep fighting. You keep Keep wrestling with God and you do not let go until he blesses you. You do not let go until you see something break, until you see something change. But I'm going to set you up for a win here. You need to know I'm 28 years old. My temptation, the temptation that I receive to look at porn has never gone away. I went to Bible college. I did the thing. I still get tempted. Lust still tempts me. It is a, something that I have to wrestle God with all the time. And for many, many years, I prayed, God, take it away. Take it away. God, just take it away. I love you. I worship you. I want to follow you. And I was trying to wrestle with my problem. And God finally grabbed me. He said, quit wrestling with this problem, David, and start wrestling with me. Start moving towards me. Start getting involved with me. And as I began to fix my eyes on Jesus and wrestle with God and wrestle with this, and I started to tell God what's going on. I started to say, I hate porn. I hate what it's doing to me. I hate what it does to my mind. God, I hate what this is doing to my life. As I began to wrestle and get honest and get real about what's happening, God began to mark me. He began to change me. And while I still wrestle, I'm no longer fighting my own battles. I wrestle with God. He fights them for me. The end of the story is Jacob goes to Esau, his brother, and his brother has a total change of heart, completely forgiven. No problems, no issues. Problem solved. You see, God did it. God worked it out. So if you hear anything tonight, young person, wrestle with God. Do it now. Do it tonight. Have it out with Him. Get honest. Get real. And then talk to your cabin leader. Tell him what you're wrestling with. Tell him that you're wrestling with God through this. And you know what? I'm speaking on the other side of 20 years of wrestling with God. 
I still have challenges. I still have problems. It does get easier. He is good. He will heal. He will restore. He will give you a new name. Things can change. Things will change. But it may not all go away forever. The only time we're going to be fully healed, fully restored, and fully ourselves is when we are in heaven with Jesus. Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Before that, he said, you will have trouble in this world. You will. It's a guarantee. You are going to have battles. You are going to have struggles. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Wrestle with God. Wrestle with God. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. Every day you wake up, you wrestle with God. Every day you have a challenge, you wrestle with God. Don't wake up one day and decide this Christian thing isn't working out because you never got real with your pain. You never got real with your questions. You never got real with your issues. Wrestle with him and let him work you.